This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Brown coming to you live on AMI TV. It's time to check in with one of our community reporters. Elizabeth Moeller joins us now with news from Toronto, Ontario. Good morning, Elizabeth. How are you doing? Well, nice to meet you and nice to be with you this morning. Exactly. You know, I'm starting my week off right with uh, being able to chat with you. So I'm excited to dive into this a bit. So the National Educational Association of Disabled Students is hosting their State of the Schools tour. So first, can you tell me a bit about what NEEDS is and what this tour entails? Absolutely. So NEEDS is a cross-disability organization, cross-Canada organization, that supports students with disabilities to attend post-secondary and get into employment. NEEDS does this by providing financial support. We have a range of scholarships and awards. We have a range of events and webinars that we do through our Virtual Access for All project. And as well, we have a resilience program, as well as Breaking It Down, which is an employee and employer resource on our needs website. So really our goal is to enhance the experience of post-secondary students with disabilities. So now just flipping to the tour. So this is called the State of the Schools Tour. And really, what are we trying to find out? We're trying to find out the state of the schools in this kind of reckoning coming out of COVID. We're still very much in COVID, but we're coming back to in-person. So what we're doing is we're wanting to hear from students on the ground. What do you need to be successful? What's working? What is not working? What would reimagining and re-envisioning an inclusive education look like? as we come back to in-person learning. So we had our first two stops on the tour last week. I should say that every single stop will be in-person and virtual. So we're gonna have hybrid for folks that don't feel safe coming out in person. So our first stop was last Wednesday in St. John's, Newfoundland. Thanks to the folks there really welcomed us. And our second stop was in Halifax, Nova Scotia. What did we hear from students? Well, we, we heard a lot about concerns around coming back in person for students that are immune compromised. We heard how well online learning worked for some students. I think there's this, this misunderstanding that online is somehow bad and in-person is good. And really what we heard last week was students disrupting that notion and saying, hey, we need to really think critically about what worked really well during COVID and keep that. So I'll pause there and let you throw some more <laughs> questions my way. Well, no, it's it's a ton of great information. I mean, you're you're knocking my questions off for me, so you're making my job easy. I could just sit <laughs> back and relax. That's my job and relax. Excellent. <laughs> uh, now, so you heard from students; they're, they're giving this kind of uh, uh, this information, this insight, and you're, as you said, you're kind of disrupting that notion that okay, well, in in class is always better than than remote and, and online. But why is it important to have? these student-led voices and in uh, these types of situations where it's you're making sure that they are being able to advocate for what they need. Yeah, you've raised a really excellent question, and it really comes down to nothing about us without us, right? It's a, the old disability saying, but it's so powerful. And often what we, we've heard from students, not just on this tour, but in our webinars over the past two and a half years, is that service providers and other folks without disabilities are speaking for these students and making decisions on their behalf. And our students very clearly last week wanted to be heard, wanted to have a voice. Another really big concern that came up was, 
accommodations look one way in an undergrad program, but are very different in a graduate or, or professional program. And so really starting to think about how can we support students who maybe need non-traditional or non-conventional accommodations, whether that's attendant services to go to a conference, whether that's funding to assist with publications, whether that's extra time. We all know some of us need extra time, but that's a little bit more challenging to navigate in grad school. Yeah, that's a very interesting point because they're two very different streams, right? Because, you know, undergraduate, it's a bit more directive. It's a bit more of a a structure, whereas in graduate programs, it's more one-on-one. It's very uh, need-specific for whatever the, the program that they're in. And what are some of the the key takeaways that you've been finding so far from from this tour? Yeah, I think one big key takeaway is the need for flexibility. So the need for programs to be flexible in how they support students and that every student has unique needs. The need for faculty and instructors and teaching assistants to be flexible. So are our classes able to be recorded if folks need it? Or, you know, are we able to continue with hybrid? Or if in-person is required, what safety implementations are going to be in place for people that need them? I think another big takeaway is that students want and need to be heard. So this comes down to making sure that there's adequate funding to support graduate students with disabilities to pursue what it is they want to pursue. It means making sure people in professional programs have the accommodations they need to be successful, not only in their program, but as they take those entrance exams, like we know are very common in law or occupational therapy or medicine. And I think another really important takeaway is that students are feeling financial pressure, right? We know that for all students, but this is even more amplified and magnified for students with disabilities who, because they take longer, they're paying an increase in tuition because sometimes they need accommodations. They're paying out of pocket for assessments and technology, et cetera. We also know that often students, if they're not diagnosed officially with a disability, can't access disability-specific funds. So financial pressures were a huge takeaway and a huge learning that we heard. And so you mentioned you've already done two stops on this tour. Where's the next stop and where can people go to find out more information? Okay, so next stop, it's a while away, but it's January 27th in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And if you want to know more, you can go to www.neads.ca. And keep in mind that in addition to our tour stops, we have monthly webinars that cover a range of topics such as mentorship, transitions, and navigating grad school with a disability. That's great. And we'll be sure to put that information up on our blog, ami.ca slash now. You also wanted to talk about the David C. Onley Awards. So uh, this Saturday was the deadline for the awards. Like what angles of leadership is this award really highlighting? Because it's about leadership in accessibility. Yeah, so David Sionley, I didn't know this until I started preparing for the show today, was the 28th Lieutenant Governor. And I hope I said that right, because I know there's <laughs> Lieutenant and Lieutenant, yep. depending on where you're where you're hailing from. Uh, so David Sionley, we know that David was a champion of accessibility. I actually was fortunate enough to meet David uh, a number of years ago at a Millennium Scholarship Conference. But this really highlights four pillars of leadership. The first is employee and employment. So somebody that's working in a workplace or volunteering and really going beyond just the required AODA standards to make the workplace accessible. Then we have role models. So this could be an individual, doesn't have to be associated with a specific workplace, who's really gone above and beyond in their volunteer efforts to make Ontario more accessible. Then we have honor roll. So that's for an organization that's, again, going above those compliance guidelines. And we have youth. So youth is ages 16 to 24, any youth in Ontario that's really going above and beyond there. Things to note, you have to be an Ontario resident to be nominated and you 
can't nominate yourself. So if you're interested, perhaps talk with someone about nominating you. In addition to the nomination form, there has to be two letters of sort of testimonials that sort of explain why you're a good candidate and why you for this award. The cash prizes, $5,000 value and a certificate. So it's, it's quite, I think, really important to showcase people that are doing good work because often advocacy is invisible. So this is a way to really make visible some of the work folks are doing behind the scenes. Absolutely. And I mean, there's so many uh, uh, folks out there who are just being great advocates, really pushing forth uh, the the cause of increasing accessibility around. So this is one of those uh, a great awards that really takes that moment to kind of shine a light on on the hard work that they're doing then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so in terms for for yourself, like why what do you think like in what areas would you want to see kind of people get uh, highlighted and, and really celebrated in terms of, of this award for accessibility? Is there any any area that jumps out to you? That, for uh, sure, you know? yes. I mean, one that's not on here that I would love to see is student leadership in higher education. Um, we know that NEEDS is doing great work, but we know that uh, Citizens with Disabilities Ontario and Canadian Council of Disabilities has done great work in this area as well. I think that, again, like we were talking about Advocacy is often so unnoticed. It's an invisible work, and it's also very emotional work um, because it's so personal, right? It's really the personal is political. And so I think that, again, really showcasing what students are doing. There's some great student union groups as well that are doing fabulous work around accessibility. So in terms of another category, I certainly think post-secondary education could be highlighted. Yeah, that, that's phenomenal. And we'll be sure uh, as well to have that information on our blog at ami.ca slash now. So we can uh, make sure to share that with our audience. Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking time chatting with me. Gonna it was lovely sharing to chat two, with you. Yeah, and, and sharing two great stories and, and information for the folks at home to, to learn about then. Well, have a lovely day and good to meet you. Yeah, you too. Elizabeth Moeller is our community reporter in Toronto, Ontario. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.